Yeah, word is cracking, baby. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to the meaning stream. It is a beautiful day to be alive. Here at the peak of recorded human civilization. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's facts. That was true yesterday. It is even more true today. Today? What happened today? Well, things just got even better today. More opportunities. Uh, presented themselves uh, you know you got a little bit wiser a little bit stronger a little bit more experienced a little bit closer to heaven baby we're broadcasting live from the meaning wave autonomous zone here in the heart of occupied YouTube country and uh, we are all aboard the starship wave rider and today we're going somewhere very exciting. We're going somewhere very exciting today, baby. Today, we're going to go across space and time to discover a world. A world. An epic world. Yes, we are, brothers and sisters. Yes, we are. What did we do last night? Last night, we had a very, very epic uh, concept, high concept, meaning wave live set in which we took, spent nearly three hours going, transitioning from Duma to Bloomer. The day before that, we had a very epic meaning wave live set in which we, what did we do? We, uh, we celebrated gratitude. We celebrated gratitude here in the MAZ. The day before that, I believe, we had an incredible French house set. French touch, French house set. Uh, basically, every day here at the MAZ, we have some kind of an epic activity. Something to do with a, a uh, proclamation I made at the top of the year when I said epic, epic activities only in 2020, I said. I said, and, uh, you know, I don't know if that was so much a proclamation or a prediction, but it's come true. Epic activities every day. Epic activities every day. And today in Epic Activities, we will be listening to Dune. Today we'll be listening to the first disc slash cassette of Dune. And I'll be playing music. We're going to be playing music and listening to Dune. That's what we're doing. Very exciting, very righteous, and, uh, you know, very useful. A useful thing to do. Uh, someone said book club? Where's the second book club? Well, it might be a book club. It depends how it goes. It might just be a one-off. It's, uh, you know, maybe it won't work. Maybe it'll be dreadful. Maybe it'll be an absolute disaster. Maybe it'll be wonderful and magnificent. I don't know. We haven't, we haven't tried it yet. We haven't tried it yet, but it's important to try things, try new things, and uh, you know, experiment with this format, with this psycho technology. I mean, I know for a fact that uh, over the years, I've very much enjoyed listening to audiobooks and music simultaneously. And I know that I have in the past DJed sets where I've combined the readings with music uh, to, to great effect. So today we're going to try a chapter of uh, one of the most celebrated works of uh, fiction uh, in the Western canon. 
Yeah, how about that? But before we get into that, I would like you to smash that like. And I would like to tell me where your ape suit is today. And uh, what does Dune mean to you? What does Dune mean to you? Uh, I say Dune because uh, I believe that's how uh, the author pronounced it. Um, I don't know. And I'm in American. They say Dune here. Uh, you know, back in the day, the way I would pronounce Dune would be with a Y. Dune. Dune. Although it seems like an unnecessary uh, syllable. Is that a syllable? Dune. I feel that turns it into a two-syllable word. Adding the Y. Dune. Dune. You know what I mean? It's almost like a question. Dune. Dune. So I'm saying Dune today, and it sounds good. Dune. What does Dune mean to you, baby? Pitio Cat says, let the mass party begin. Seems like a good idea to me. Seems like a good idea. Let that mass party begin. Lance Cook says, Comic Book Girl 19. Exactly. You know, uh, Comic Book Girl 19, obviously we did, I don't know if you know this, but Comic Book Girl 19 and I did uh, an EP called Dune Wave a couple of years ago. Uh, Dune Wave. And uh, Comic Book Girl 19, a.k.a. Danica XIX, read... Uh, some choice passages from Dune and I put it to music and it was very powerful uh, Dune Wave 2 is coming Danica promises me uh, she's got an assistant now and uh, and she's on it she's been in quite if you're on her Patreon uh, she was asking what bits of it you think she should read for Dune Wave 2 uh, so she seems to be on it and before I went live tonight uh, I was like oh I was, let me check in on Danica and she's actually on Twitch uh, doing her Children of Dune uh, club, which is uh, you know they they read the book together and talk about it. So this is different to that. In case anyone's confused, this is different to that. What we're doing here is playing the audio book with music. So that's different, you know. And uh, maybe what you might want to do, which could be useful, uh, is Dune Club from the original book Dune, which we're going to listen to tonight. Dune. Uh, Comic Book Girl 19 essentially annotated with that series so you can go back and watch those videos you know if we we'll do that we'll play this tonight the, the first bit and uh, then you can go check the uh, video annotations from Danica afterwards and uh, maybe I'll get her on here to talk about more of that stuff I mean I definitely will we definitely will but you know this is experimental we don't know if this is going to work we don't know if this is useful uh, we don't know if this is a stupid idea or a wonderful idea we do not know yet but we will find out. 
You know, we will find out. Uh, let me see what the chat is saying about what Dune means to them. Uh, Matt Carter says, Dune. Uh, Gabber 820 says, Comic Book Girl Dune Club, Children of Dune Club. Luke says, O mighty Shai Hulud, keeper of balance, bless the maker and his water. Bless the coming and going of him. May his passage cleanse the world. Well, there you go. Matt Lally, Fort Lauderdale, FL, Fla Fla. Matt Carson, Meaning Wave, DNA, I have. Pete Terzel, interesting for sure. Zachary Brooks, sexy pages left for me. One of my favorite books. Love you guys. That's nice. Uh, Dorian Richards says, fear is the mind killer, which is a very good point and well made. Caroline H says, sup, yo, what's cracking, baby? Kayla Shurastatanekov says, 78 watching, 54 likes, 24 people still regulating the vibes. We're up to 94 now uh, with 62 likes. That means there's a good bunch of you. Could smash that like. Smash that like, baby. Smash that like for the gods, for the ancestors, for Frank Herbert. Uh, where's the second says, I'm betting on wonderful and magnificent. I mean, that's usually what happens, but you never know. Uh, you never know. Dorian Ricker says, Dune, Arrakis, Desert Planet. Yeah, uh, that's right. We've got Matt Lally in the house. What's cracking, baby? He says, Matt's with Meaning is a fantastic book. Uh, yes, it is. I don't need you know what? I haven't actually read it. I couldn't say, I mean, how would I know? I haven't read it. I should read it, right? It's ridiculous that I have not read it. Tahani AF says, I already want more book club. <laughs> All right, well, let's see. We'll get it cracking in a second. Uh, <laughs> Cindy Bailey in California, Dune means novelty to me. I've never read it before, and I'm eager to find out what it means. Well, that's what's exciting. I figured there'd be a lot of people who've not read it, and uh, there's a movie coming out, you know, and it's good to uh, read before before movies because then the movie will color your mind. And it's good. It's really wonderful thing to first envisage something with your mind, you know? Picture it with your mind. Uh, you know, I'm so glad that I read, for example, I'm so glad I read Game of Thrones uh, before before watching what they did with certain parts of it. For example, when, uh, you know, Bran meets that fellow up the tree, you know, uh, in the book, that was one of the most, like, haunting, bewitching, beautiful and simultaneously horrifying things. And I saw it all. I pictured it all with my mind. You know, the description was so wonderful and so rich and so vivid. And uh, then in the TV show, it's just like an old guy sat in a tree. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's an old guy in a tree. All this, and it's an old guy set up a tree, and then the next season it was a completely different old guy, and they'd cut all his hair off, and he wasn't up a tree anymore. It was like, they didn't even, they'd like given up even on the idea of him having anything to do with the tree. My goodness. So I was very glad I read that, you know, and, uh, you know, people don't always necessarily have time to read things, but uh, they do have time for meaning streams. And also people, you know, you have time to listen to something with some music because people like to combine those things. So I thought, hey, if I combine a book with some music, maybe that's useful. Because you know over here it's Operation Useful. You know, Operation Useful. Uh, that's what we do. Gaber820 says, Dune means I shall not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Magic words create new prayer. Splash. Ego Cognis says, Meaning Wave exists. Sorry. Meaning Wave exists! Very good point. Very well made. Uh. Infinite, yes, Gulf Coast, Fla Fla, Riding Waves. Letting the spice flow. Yeah, you got it, baby. You gotta let that spice flow. Whoa, whoa. What up, Luke says, I grew up on the Lynch movie. Hey, it taught me about expanding consciousness. It taught me of the Messiah within us. That Lynch movie is very, very creepy. David Lynch has disowned it, but a lot of people love it, you know? 
Cindy Bailey, Splash Rizblish, Zahani AF, Maysville, Kentucky, what's cracking, Kentucky? Dune means fear is the mind killer. That's right. That's right. Peace, Hustle. This is interesting. Uh, Gaber 820 says, Comic Book Girl 19 and Dune Wave is how I found Akira. Well, boom. We're going full circle, baby. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Dorian Richards says, Paul is not a good guy. No one in Dune is a good guy. Uh, Brian Hunsucker said, You should have streamed Dune out in the deserts of Texas. Yes. You're right. I should. That'd be sick. Maybe I will. Hey, you know, maybe it will, uh, maybe this will be amazing and it will become a thing and we'll go out in the desert and do it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Full Killer 3644 said, It was great when you mixed music with the Enchiridion that one time. That was very cool, right? That was very joyful. Now, you know, it's different. A guy reading stoic wisdoms over music, that's, that's probably less hard to fuck up. Zachary Brooks says, we need the Lynch cut. Uh, I've heard there's one on YouTube. Uh, what's his name? Andre from Midnight's Edge, who's a big fan, says that the uh, ultimate cut, someone has put together, it's on YouTube, and it's the closest thing to the book and uh, David Lynch's original vision and it's excellent apparently I'm uh, looking forward to watching that at some point when I make some time to watch something I don't know when, when that will be uh, you know two streams a day and making epic records oh my goodness I don't know if you saw the stories today we had some very epic music being made in Dunn Studios today by Jove by Jove we did by Jove we did Operation Saxophone pion pion getting after it Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, apologies for that. Apologies for that. Usual technicalities. Little technicalities. Yo, yo. Anyway. Where were we? Oh, yeah. We're going to do an international high five and then get it cracking. That's it. That's what it is. Joe Parrish for the little Discord noise that reminded me to turn off the bloody Discord. 
because uh, that's in the channel that the voice is going to be in. Nobody needs that kind of aggravation. Nobody needs that kind of aggravation by Jones. All right, Dune Rider, let's get it. A beginning is the time for taking the most delicate care that the balances are correct. This every sister of the Bene Gesserit knows. To begin your study of the life of Moadib, then take care that you first place him in his time. Born in the 57th year of the Parishar Emperor, Shaddam IV. And take the most special care that you locate Muad'Dib in his place, the planet Arrakis. Do not be deceived by the fact that he was born on Caladan and lived his first 15 years there. Arrakis, the planet known as Dune, is forever his place. From the manual of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. In the week before their departure to Arrakis, when all the final scurrying about had reached a nearly unbearable frenzy, an old crone came to visit the mother of the boy, Paul. It was a warm night at Castle Caladan, and the ancient pile of stone that had served the Atreides family as home for 26 generations bore that cooled sweat feeling it acquired before a change in the weather. The old woman was led in by the side door, down the vaulted passage by Paul's room, and she was allowed a moment to peer in at him, where he lay in his bed. By the half-light of a suspenser lamp, dimmed and hanging near the floor, the awakened boy could see a bulky female shape at his door, standing one step ahead of his mother. The old woman was a witch shadow, hair like matted spiderwebs, hooded round darkness of features, eyes like glittering jewels. Is he not small for his age, Jessica? The old woman asked. Her voice wheezed and twanged like an untuned ballast. Paul's mother answered in her soft contralto. The Atreides are known to start late getting their growth, your reverence. So I've heard.
wheezed the old woman. Yet he's already fifteen. Yes, Your Reverence. He's awake and listening to us, said the old woman. Sly little rascal, she chuckled. But royalty has need of slyness. And if he's really the Kwisatz Haderach, well... Within the shadows of his bed, Paul held his eyes open to mere slits. Two bird-bright ovals, the eyes of the old woman, seemed to expand and glow as they stared into his. Sleep well, you sly little rascal said the old woman. Tomorrow, you'll need all your faculties to meet my Gamjabar. And she was gone, pushing his mother out, closing the door with a solid thump. Paul lay awake, wondering, what's a Gamjabar? In all the upset during this time of change, the old woman was the strangest thing he'd seen. Your reverence. And the way she called his mother Jessica like a common serving wench instead of what she was. A Bene Gesserit lady, a duke's concubine and mother of a ducal heir. Is a gamja bar something of Arrakis I must know before we go there? He wondered. He mouthed her strange words, Gamjabar, Kwisatz Haderach. There had been so many things to learn. Arrakis would be a place so different from Caladan that Paul's mind whirled with the new knowledge. Arrakis, dune, desert planet. Thufir Hawat, his father's master of assassins, had expanded. Their mortal enemies, the Harkonnens, had been on Arrakis 80 years, holding the planet in quasi-fief under a Chom Company contract to mine the geriatric spice Melange. Now the Harkonnens were leaving to be replaced by the House of Atreides in fief complete, an apparent victory for the Duke Leto. Yet, Hawat had said, this appearance contained the deadliest peril, for the Duke Leto was popular among the great houses of the Lansrad. A popular man arouses the jealousy of the powerful, Hawat had said. Arrakis, Dune, desert planet. Paul fell asleep to dream of an Arakeen cavern silent people all around him moving in the dim light of glow glows. It was solemn there and like a cathedral as he listened to a faint sound, the drip, drip, drip of water. Even while he remained in the dream, Paul knew he would remember it upon awakening. He always remembered the dreams that were predictions. The dream faded. Paul awoke to feel himself in the warmth of his bed, thinking, thinking, 
This world of Castle Caledon, without play or companions his own age, perhaps did not deserve sadness and farewell. Dr. Yui, his teacher, had hinted that the Falfer Luce's class system was not rigidly guarded on Arrakis. The planet sheltered people who lived at the desert edge without Kaid or Bashar to command them. Will of the Sand people, called Fremen, marked down on no census of the Imperial record. Arrakis, Dune, Desert Planet. Paul sensed his own tensions, decided to practice one of the mind-body lessons his mother had taught him. Three quick breaths triggered the responses. He fell into the floating awareness, focusing the consciousness, aortal dilation, avoiding the unfocused mechanism of consciousness. To be conscious by choice, blood enriched and swift flooding the overload regions. One does not obtain food safety freedom by instinct alone. Animal consciousness does not extend beyond the given moment, nor into the idea that its victims may become extinct. The animal destroys and does not produce. Animal pleasures remain close to sensation levels and avoid the perceptual. The human requires a background grid through which to see his universe. Focused consciousness by choice. This forms your grid. Bodily integrity follows nerve blood flow according to the deepest awareness of cell needs. All things, cells, beings are impermanent. Strive for flow permanence within. Over and over and over, within Paul's floating awareness, the lesson rolled. When dawn touched Paul's windowsill with yellow light, he sensed it through closed eyelids, opened them, hearing then the renewed bustle and hurry in the castle, seeing the familiar patterned beams of his bedroom ceiling. The hall door opened, and his mother peered in, hair like shaded bronze held with black ribbon at the crown, her oval face emotionless, and green eyes staring solemnly. You're awake, she said. Did you sleep well? Yes. He studied the tallness of her, saw the hint of tension in her shoulders as she chose clothing for him from the closet racks. Another might have missed the tension, but she had trained him in the Bene Gesserit way, in the minutiae of observation. She turned, holding a semi-formal jacket for him. It carried the red Atreides hawk crest above the breast pocket. Hurry and dress, she said. Reverend Mother is waiting. I dreamed of her once, Paul said. Who is she? She was my teacher at the Bene Gesserit school. Now she's the Emperor's truth-sayer. And Paul... She hesitated. You must tell her about your dreams. I will. Is she the reason we got Arrakis? We did not get Arrakis. Jessica flicked dust from a pair of trousers, hung them with the jacket on the dressing stand beside his bed. 
Don't keep Reverend Mother waiting. Paul sat up, hugged his knees. What's a gamja bar? Again, the training she had given him exposed her almost invisible hesitation, a nervous betrayal he felt as fear. Jessica crossed to the window, flung wide the draperies, stared across the river orchards toward Mount Siubi. You'll learn about the Gomjabar soon enough, she said. He heard the fear in her voice and wondered at it. Jessica spoke without turning. Reverend Mother is waiting in my morning room. Please hurry. The Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mohim sat in a tapestried chair watching mother and son approach. Windows on each side of her overlooked the curving southern bend of the river and the green farmlands of the Atreides family holding. But the Reverend Mother ignored the view. She was feeling her age this morning, more than a little petulant. She blamed it on space travel and association with that abominable spacing guild and its secretive ways. But here was a mission that required personal attention from a Bene Gesserit with the sight. Even the Padishah Emperor's truthsayer couldn't evade that responsibility when the duty call came. Damn that Jessica, the Reverend Mother thought. If only she'd borne us a girl as she was ordered to do. Jessica stopped three paces from the chair, dropped a small curtsy, a gentle flick of left hand along the line of her skirt. Paul gave the short bow his dancing master had taught, the one used when in doubt of another's station. The nuances of Paul's greeting were not lost on the Reverend Mother. She said... He's a cautious one, Jessica. Jessica's hand went to Paul's shoulder, tightened there. For a heartbeat, fear pulsed through her palm. Then she had herself under control. Thus he has been taught, your reverence. What does she fear? Paul wondered. The old woman studied Paul in one gestalt and flicker. Face oval like Jessica's, but strong bones. Hair the Duke's black, black, but with brow line of the maternal grandfather who cannot be named. And that thin, disdainful nose, shape of directly staring green eyes. Like the old Duke, the paternal grandfather who is dead. Now there was a man who appreciated the power of bravura, even in death the Reverend Mother thought. Teaching is one thing, she said. The basic ingredient is another. We shall see. The old eyes darted a hard glance at Jessica. Leave us. I enjoin you to practice the meditation of peace. Jessica took her hand from Paul's shoulder. Your Reverence, I... Jessica, you know it must be done. Paul looked up at his mother, puzzled. Jessica straightened. Yes, of course. Paul looked back at the Reverend Mother. Politeness and his mother's obvious awe of this old woman argued caution, yet he felt an angry apprehension 
at the fear he sensed radiating from his mother. Paul, Jessica took a deep breath. This test you're about to receive, it's important to me. Test? He looked up at her. Remember that you're a duke's son, Jessica said. She whirled and strode from the room in a dry swishing of skirt. The door closed solidly behind her. Paul faced the old woman, holding anger in check. Does one dismiss the Lady Jessica as though she were a serving wench? A smile flicked the corners of the wrinkled old mouth. The Lady Jessica was my serving wench, lad, for fourteen years at school. She nodded. And a good one, too. Now you come here. The command whipped out at him. Paul found himself obeying before he could think about it. Using the voice on me, he thought. He stopped at her gesture, standing beside her knees. See this? She asked. From the folds of her gown, she lifted a green metal cube, about fifteen centimeters on a side. She turned it, and Paul saw that one side was open, black and oddly frightening. No light penetrated that open blackness. Put your right hand in the box, she said. Fear shot through Paul. He started to back away, but the old woman said, Is this how you obey your mother? He looked up into bird-bright eyes. Slowly, feeling the compulsions and unable to inhibit them, Paul put his hand into the box. He felt first a sense of cold as the blackness closed around his hand. Then, slick metal against his fingers and a prickling as though his hand were asleep. A predatory look filled the old woman's features. She lifted her right hand away from the box and poised the hand close to the side of Paul's neck. He saw a glint of metal there and started to turn toward it. Stop! She snapped. Using the voice again, he swung his attention back to her face. I hold at your neck the Gomjabar, she said. The Gomjabar, the high-handed enemy. It's a needle with a drop of poison on its tip. Ah, ah, don't pull away, or you'll feel that poison. Paul tried to swallow in a dry throat. He couldn't take his attention from the seamed old face, the glistening eyes, the pale gums around silvery metal teeth that flashed as she spoke. A duke's son must know about poisons, she said. It's the way of our times, eh? Musky to be poisoned in your drink. Our must to be poisoned in your food. The quick ones and the slow ones, and the ones in between. Here's a new one for you, the Gamjabar. It kills only animals. Pride overcame Paul's fear. You dare suggest a duke's son is an animal? He demanded. 
Let us say I suggest you may be human, she said. Steady. I warn you not to try jerking away. I am old, but my hand can drive this needle into your neck before you escape me. Who are you? He whispered. How did you trick my mother into leaving me alone with you? Are you from the Harkonnens? The Harkonnens. Bless us, no. Now be silent. A dry finger touched his neck, and he stilled the involuntary urge to leap away. Good, she said. You pass the first test. Now, here's the way of the rest of it. If you withdraw your hand from the box, you die. This is the only rule. Keep your hand in the box and live. Withdraw it and die. Paul took a deep breath to still his trembling. If I call out, there'll be servants on you in seconds and you'll die. Servants will not pass your mother, who stands guard outside that door. Depend on it. Your mother survived this test. Now it's your turn. Be honored. We seldom administer this to many children. Curiosity reduced Paul's fear to a manageable level. He heard truth in the old woman's voice. No denying it. If his mother stood guard out there, if this were truly a test, and whatever it was, he knew himself caught in it, trapped by that hand at his neck, the Gomjabar. He recalled the response from the litany against fear as his mother had taught him out of the Bene Gesserit rite. I must not fear. Fear is a mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. He felt calmness return. Said, get on with it, old woman. Old woman, she snapped. You've courage and that can't be denied. Well, we shall see, Sarah. She bent close, lowered her voice almost to a whisper. You will feel pain in this hand within the box. Pain. But withdraw the hand and I'll touch your neck with my gomjabar. The death so swift it's like the fall of the headsman's axe. Withdraw your hand and the Gamjaba takes you. Understand? What's in the box? Pain. He felt increased tingling in his hand, pressed his lips tightly together. How could this be a test, he wondered. The tingling became an itch. The old woman said, You've heard of animals chewing off a leg to escape the trap? There's an animal kind of trick. A human would remain in the trap, endure the pain, feigning death that he might kill the trapper, 
and remove a threat to his kind. The itch became the faintest burning. Why are you doing this? he demanded. To determine if you're human. Be silent. Paul clenched his left hand into a fist as the burning sensation increased in the other hand. It mounted slowly, heat upon heat upon heat upon heat. He felt the fingernails of his free hand biting the palm. He tried to flex the fingers of the burning hand but couldn't move them. It burns, he whispered. Silence! Pain throbbed up his arm. Sweat stood out on his forehead. Every fiber cried out to withdraw the hand from that burning pit. But the gamjaba. Without turning his head, he tried to move his eyes to see that terrible needle poised beside his neck. He sensed that he was breathing in gasps, tried to slow his breaths, and couldn't. Pain. His world emptied of everything except that hand, immersed in agony, the ancient face inches away, staring at him. His lips were so dry, he had difficulty separating them. The burning. The burning. He thought he could feel skin curling black on that agonized hand, the flesh crisping and dropping away until only charred bones remained. It stopped. As though a switch had been turned off, the pain stopped. Paul felt his right arm trembling, felt sweat bathing his body. Enough, the old woman muttered. Kulwahad. No woman child ever withstood that much. I must have wanted you to fail. She leaned back, withdrawing the gomja bar from the side of his neck. Take your hand from the box, young human, and look at it. He fought down an aching shiver, stared at the lightless void where his hand seemed to remain of its own volition. Memory of pain inhibited every movement. Reason told him he would withdraw a blackened stump from that box. Do it, she snapped. He jerked his hand from the box, stared at it astonished. Not a mark, no sign of agony on the flesh. He held up the hand, turned it, flexed the fingers. Pain by nerve induction, she said. Can't go around maiming potential humans. There are those who'd give a pretty for the secret of this box, though. She slipped it into the folds of her gown. But the pain, he said. Pain, she sniffed. A human can override any nerve in the body. Paul felt his left hand aching, uncurled the clenched fingers, looked at four bloody marks where fingernails had bitten his palm. He dropped the hand to his side, looked at the old woman. You did that to my mother once? Ever sift sand through a screen? She asked. The tangential slash of her question shocked his mind into a higher awareness. Sand through a screen. He nodded. We Bene Gesserit sift people to find the humans. He lifted his right hand, willing the memory of the pain. 
And that's all there is to it? Pain? I observed you in pain, lad. Pain's merely the axis of the test. Your mother's told you about our ways of observing. I see the signs of her teaching in you. Our test is crisis and observation. He heard the confirmation in her voice, said, It's truth. She stared at him. He senses truth. Could he be the one? Could he truly be the one? She extinguished the excitement, reminding herself, Hope clouds observation. You know when people believe what they say, she said. I know it. The harmonics of ability confirmed by repeated tests were in his voice. She heard them, said, Perhaps you are the Kwisatz Haderach. Sit down, little brother, here at my feet. I prefer to stand. Your mother sat at my feet once. I'm not my mother. You hate us a little, eh? She looked toward the door, called out, Jessica! The door flew open, and Jessica stood there staring hard-eyed into the room. Hardness melted from her as she saw Paul. She managed a faint smile. Jessica, have you ever stopped hating me? The old woman asked. I both love and hate you, Jessica said. The hate, that's from pains I must never forget. The love, that's just the basic fact, the old woman said, but her voice was gentle. You may come in now. But remain silent. Close that door and mind it that no one interrupts us. Jessica stepped into the room, closed the door and stood with her back to it. My son lives, she thought. My son lives and is human. I knew he was, but he lives. Now I can go on living. The door felt hard and real against her back. Everything in the room was immediate and pressing against her senses. My son lives. Paul looked at his mother. She told the truth. He wanted to get away alone and think this experience through, but knew he couldn't leave until he was dismissed. The old woman had gained a power over him. They spoke truth. His mother had undergone this test. There must be terrible purpose in it. The pain and fear had been terrible. He understood terrible purposes. They drove against all odds. They were their own necessity. Paul felt that he had been infected with terrible purpose. He didn't know yet what the terrible purpose was. Someday, lad, the old woman said, you too may have to stand outside a door like that. It takes a measure of doing. Paul looked down at the hand that had known pain, then up to the Reverend Mother. The sound of her voice had contained a difference then from any other voice in his experience. The words were outlined in brilliance. There was an edge to them. 
He felt that any question he might ask her would bring an answer that could lift him out of his flesh world into something greater. Why do you test for humans? he asked. To set you free. Free? Once men turned their thinking over to machines in the hope that this would set them free, but that only permitted other men with machines to enslave them. Thou shalt not make a machine in the likeness of a man's mind, Paul quoted. Right out of the Butlerian Jihad and the Orange Catholic Bible, she said. But what the O.C. Bible should have said is, Thou shalt not make a machine to counterfeit a human mind. Have you studied the Mentat in your service? I've studied with Thufar Hawat. The Great Revolt took away a crutch, she said. It forced human minds to develop. Schools were started to train human talents. Can I just at schools? She nodded. We have two chief survivors of those ancient schools the Bene Gesserit and the Spacing Guild. The Guild, so we think, emphasizes almost pure mathematics. Bene Gesserit performs another function. Politics, he said. Kurwahat, the old woman said. She sent a hard glance at Jessica. I've not told him, Your Reverence, Jessica said. The Reverend Mother returned her attention to Paul. You did that on remarkably few clues, she said. Politics indeed. The original Bene Gesserit school was directed by those who saw the need of a thread of continuity in human affairs. They saw there could be no such continuity without separating human stock from animal stock for breeding purposes. The old woman's words abruptly lost their special sharpness for Paul. He felt an offense against what his mother called his instinct for rightness. It wasn't that Reverend Mother lied to him. She obviously believed what she said. It was something deeper, something tied to his terrible purpose. He said, But my mother tells me many Bene Gesserit of the schools don't know their ancestry. The genetic lines are always in our records, she said. Your mother knows that either she's of Bene Gesserit descent, or her stock was acceptable in itself. Then why couldn't she know who her parents are? Some do, many don't. We might, for example, have wanted to breed her to a close relative to set up a dominant in some genetic trait. We have many reasons. Again, Paul felt the offense against rightness. He said, You take a lot on yourselves. The Reverend Mother stared at him, wondering, Did I hear criticism in his voice? We carry a heavy burden, she said. Paul felt himself coming more and more out of the shock of the test. He leveled a measuring stare at her, said, You say, maybe I'm the Kwisatz Haderach. What's that, a human gamjabar? Paul, Jessica said, you mustn't take that tone with, I'll handle this, Jessica. 
the old woman said. Now, lad, do you know about the truth-sayer drug? You take it to improve your ability to detect falsehood, he said. My mother's told me. Have you ever seen truth trance? He shook his head. No. The drug's dangerous, she said. But it gives insight. When a truth-sayer is gifted by the drug, she can look many places in her memory, in her body's memory. We look down so many avenues of the past, but only feminine avenues. Her voice took on a note of sadness. Yet, there's a place where no truth-sayer can see. We are repelled by it, terrorized. It is said a man will come one day and find in the gift of the drug his inward eye. He will look where we cannot, into both feminine and masculine pasts. Your Kwisatz Haderach? Yes. The one who can be many places at once. The Kwisatz Haderach. Many men have tried the drug. So many. But none has succeeded. They tried and failed, all of them? Oh, no, she shook her head. They tried and died. To attempt an understanding of Muad'Dib without understanding his mortal enemies, the Harkonnens, is to attempt seeing truth without knowing falsehood. It is the attempt to see the light without knowing darkness. It cannot be. From Manual of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. It was a relief globe of a world, partly in shadows, spinning under the impetus of a fat hand that glittered with rings. The globe sat on a free-form stand at one wall of a windowless room whose other walls presented a patchwork of multicolored scrolls, film books, tapes, and reels. Light glowed in the room from golden balls hanging in mobile suspensor fields. An ellipsoid desk with a top of jade-pink petrified alaka wood stood at the center of the room. Very formed suspensor chairs ringed it, two of them occupied. In one sat a dark-haired youth of about sixteen years, round of face and with sullen eyes. The other held a slender, short man with effeminate face. Both youth and man stared at the globe, and the man half-hidden in shadows spinning it. A chuckle sounded beside the globe. A basso voice rumbled out of the chuckle. There it is, Spider. The biggest man-trap in all history. And the Duke's headed into its jaws. Is it not a magnificent thing that I, the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, do? Assuredly, Baron, said the man. His voice came out tenor with a sweet musical quality. The fat hand descended onto the globe, stopped the spinning. 
Now all eyes in the room could focus on the motionless surface and see that it was the kind of globe made for wealthy collectors or planetary governors of the Empire. It had the stamp of imperial handicraft about it. Latitude and longitude lines were laid in with hair-fine platinum wire. The polar caps were insets of finest cloud-milk diamonds. The fat hand moved, tracing details on the surface. I invite you to observe, the basso voice rumbled. Observe closely, Piter, and you too, Fedralfa, my darling. From sixty degrees north to seventy degrees south, these exquisite ripples, their coloring, does it not remind you of sweet caramels? And nowhere do you see blue of lakes, or rivers, or seas, and these lovely polar caps so small. Could anyone mistake this place? Arrakis, truly unique, a superb setting for a unique victory. A smile touched Piter's lips. And to think, Baron, the Padishah Emperor believes he's given the Duke your spice planet. How poignant. That's a nonsensical statement, the Baron rumbled. You say this to confuse young Fade Rotha, but it is not necessary to confuse my nephew. The sullen-faced youth stirred in his chair, smoothed a wrinkle in the black leotards he wore. He sat upright as a discreet tapping sounded at the door in the wall behind him. Piter unfolded from his chair, crossed to the door, cracked it wide enough to accept a message cylinder. He closed the door, unrolled the cylinder, and scanned it. A chuckle sounded from him. Another. Well? the Baron demanded. The fool answered us, Baron. Whenever did an Atreides refuse the opportunity for a gesture? the Baron asked. Well, what does he say? He's most uncouth, Baron. Addresses you as Harkonnen. No sire et cher cousin, no title, nothing. It's a good name, the Baron growled, and his voice betrayed his impatience. What does dear Leto say? He says, your offer of a meeting is refused. I have oft times met your treachery, and this all men know. And? the Baron asked. He says, the art of Canley still has admirers in the Empire. He signs it, Duke Leto of Arrakis. Piter began to laugh. Of Arrakis? Oh my... This is almost too rich. Be silent, Piter, the Baron said. And the laughter stopped as though shut off with a switch. Canley, is it? The Baron asked. Vendetta, eh? And he uses the nice old word so rich in tradition to be sure I know he means it. You made the peace gesture, Piter said. The forms have been obeyed. For a mentat, you talk too much, Piter, the Baron said. And he thought, I must do away with that one soon. He has almost outlived his usefulness. The Baron stared across the room at his Mantat assassin, seeing the feature about him that most people noticed first, the eyes. The shaded slits of blue within blue. 
the eyes without any white in them at all. A grin flashed across Piper's face. It was like a mask grimaced beneath those eyes like holes. But, Baron, never has revenge been more beautiful. It is to see a plan of the most exquisite treachery to make Leto exchange Caladan for Dune. And without alternative, because the Emperor orders it. How waggish of you. In a cold voice, the Baron said, You have a flux of the mouth, Piper. But I am happy, my Baron, whereas you, you are touched by jealousy. Piper! Aha, Baron, is it not regrettable you are unable to devise this delicious scheme by yourself? Someday, I will have you strangled, Piper. Of a certain Baron, how fast? But a kind act is never lost, eh? Have you been chewing Verite or Semuta, Piper? Truth without fear surprises the Baron, Piper said. His face drew down into a caricature of a frowning mask. Ah, ha! But you see, Baron, I know as a mentat when you will send the executioner. You will hold back just so long as I am useful. To move sooner would be wasteful, and I'm yet of much use. I know what it is you learned from that lovely dune planet. Waste not. True, Baron? The Baron continued to stare at Piter. Fade Rautha squirmed in his chair. These wrangling fools, he thought. My uncle cannot talk to his mentat without arguing. Do they think I've nothing to do except listen to their arguments? Fade, the Baron said. I told you to listen and learn when I invited you in here. Are you learning? Yes, uncle. The voice was carefully subservient. Sometimes I wonder about Piter, the baron said. I cause pain out of necessity. But he, I swear he takes a positive delight in it. For myself, I can feel pity toward the poor Duke Leto. Dr. Yui will move against him soon, and that'll be the end of all the Atreides. But surely Lita will know whose hand directed the pliant doctor, and knowing that will be a terrible thing. Then why haven't you directed the doctor to slip a kinjal between his ribs quietly and efficiently? Piter asked. You talk of pity, but... The Duke must know when I encompass his doom, the Baron said. And the other great houses must learn of it. The knowledge will give them pause. I'll gain a bit more room to maneuver. The necessity is obvious, but I don't have to like it. Room to maneuver, Piter sneered. Already you have the Emperor's eyes on you, Baron. You move too boldly. One day the Emperor will send a legion or two of his Sardaukar down here unto Gedi Prime, and that'll be an end to the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. You'd like to see that, wouldn't you, Piter? The Baron asked. You'd enjoy seeing the core of Sardaukar pillage through my cities and sack this castle. You'd truly enjoy that. Does the Baron need to ask? Piter whispered. You should have been a Bashar of the core. The Baron said. You're too interested in blood and pain. Perhaps I was too quick with my promise of the spoils of Arrakis. 
fighter took five curiously mincing steps into the room, stopped directly behind Faye Brother. There was a tight air of tension in the room, and the youth looked up at Piper with a worried frown. Do not toy with Piper, Baron, Piper said. You promised me the Lady Jessica. You promised her to me. For what, Piper? the Baron asked. For pain? Piper stared at him, dragging out the silence. Fade Ratha moved his suspenser chair to one side, said, Uncle, do I have to stay? You said you'd... My darling, Fade grows impatient, the Baron said. He moved within the shadows beside the globe. Patience, Fade. And he turned his attention back to the Mentat. What of the Dukeling? The child Paul, my dear Piter. The trap will bring him to you, Baron, Piter muttered. That's not my question, the Baron said. You'll recall that you predicted the Bene Gesserit which would bear a daughter to the Duke. You were wrong, eh, Mentat? I'm not often wrong, Baron, Piper said. And for the first time there was fear in his voice. Give me that, I'm not often wrong. And you know yourself these Bene Gesserit bear mostly daughters. Even the Emperor's consort had produced only females. Uncle, said Fade you said there'd be something important here for me to... Listen to my nephew, the Baron said. He aspires to rule my barony, yet he cannot rule himself. The Baron stirred beside the globe, a shadow among shadows. Well then, Fade Rautha Harkonnen, I summoned you here hoping to teach you a bit of wisdom. Have you observed our good Mentat? You should have learned something from this exchange. But, Uncle, a most efficient Mentat, Piper, wouldn't you say, Fade? Yes, but, ah, indeed, but. But he consumes too much spice. Eats it like candy. Look at his eyes. He might have come directly from the Arakin labor pool. Efficient Piper, but he's still emotional and prone to passionate outbursts. Efficient Piper, but he still can err. Piper spoke in a low, sullen tone. Did you call me in here to impair my efficiency with criticism, Baron? Impair your efficiency? You know me better, Piper. I wish only for my nephew to understand the limitations of a mentat. Are you already training my replacement? Piter demanded. Replace you? Why, Piter? Where could I find another Mentat with your cunning and venom? The same place you found me, Baron. Perhaps I should at that, the Baron used. You do seem a bit unstable lately, and the spice you eat. Are my pleasures too expensive, Baron? Do you object to them? My dear Piter, your pleasures are what tie you to me. How could I object to that? I merely wish my nephew to observe this about you. Then I'm on display, Piper said. Shall I dance? Shall I perform my various functions for the eminent fade rough? Precisely, the Baron said. You are on display. Now be silent. He glanced at fade rough, <laughs> noting his nephew's lips. The full and pouting look of them. The Harkonnen genetic marker now twisted slightly in amusement. This is a Mantat fade. It has been trained 
and conditioned to perform certain duties. The fact that it's encased in a human body, however, must not be overlooked. A serious drawback, that. I sometimes think the ancients with their thinking machines had the right idea. They were toys compared to me, Piter snarled. You yourself, Baron, could outperform those machines. Perhaps, the Baron said. Ah, oh, well. He took a deep breath. Belched. Now, Piter, outline for my nephew the salient features of our campaign against the House of Atreides. Function as a mentat for us, if you please. Baron, I've warned you not to trust one so young with this information. My observations of... I'll be the judge of this, the Baron said. I give you an order, Mentat. Perform one of your various functions. So be it, Piter said. He straightened, assuming an odd attitude of dignity, as though it were another mask, but this time clothing his entire body. In a few days standard, the entire household of the Duke Leto will embark on a spacing guild liner for Arrakis. The guild will deposit them at the city of Arrakeen rather than at our city of Carthage. The Duke's mentat, Thufar Hawat, will have concluded rightly that Arrakeen is easier to defend. Listen carefully, Fade, the Baron said. Observe the plans within plans within plans. Fade Rafa nodded, thinking, this is more like it. The old monster is letting me in on secret things at last. He must really mean for me to be his heir. There are several tangential possibilities, Piker said. I indicate that House Atreides will go to Arrakis. We must not, however, ignore the possibility the Duke has contracted with the Guild to remove him to a place of safety outside the system. Others in like circumstances have become renegade houses, taking family atomics and shields and fleeing beyond the Imperium. The Duke's too proud a man for that, the Baron said. It is a possibility, Piter said. The ultimate effect for us would be the same, however. No, it would not, the Baron growled. I must have him dead and his line ended. That's the high probability, Piter said. There are certain preparations that indicate when a house is going renegade. The Duke appears to be doing none of these things. So, the Baron sighed, get on with it, Piter. At Arakeen, Piter said, the Duke and his family will occupy the residency, lately the home of Count and Lady Fenring. The ambassador to the smugglers, the Baron chuckled. Ambassador to what? Fade Rafa asked. Your uncle makes a joke, Piter said. He calls Count Fenring ambassador to the smugglers, indicating the Emperor's interest in smuggling operations on Arrakis. Fade Rafa turned a puzzled stare on his uncle. Why? Don't be dense, Fade, the Baron snapped. As long as the Guild remains effectively outside Imperial control, how could it be otherwise? How else could spies and assassins move about? Fade Rafa's mouth made a soundless, Oh... We've arranged diversions at the Residency, Piper said. There'll be an attempt on the life of the Atreides' heir, an attempt which could succeed. Piper, the Baron rumbled, you indicated. I indicated accidents can happen, Piper said. And the attempt must appear valid. Ah, but the lad has such a sweet, young body, 
the Baron said. Of course, he's potentially more dangerous than the father with that witch mother training him. A cursed woman. Ah, well, please continue, Piter. Hawat will have divined that we have an agent planted on him, Piter said. The obvious suspect is Dr. Yui, who is indeed our agent, but Hawat has investigated and found that our doctor is a Sook school graduate with imperial conditioning, supposedly safe enough to minister even to the emperor. Great store is set on imperial conditioning. It's assumed that ultimate conditioning cannot be removed without killing the subject. However, as someone once observed, given the right lever, you can move a planet. We found the lever that moved the doctor. How? Fade asked. He found this a fascinating subject. Everyone knew you couldn't subvert imperial conditioning. Another time, the Baron said. Continue, Piter. In place of Yui, Piter said, we'll drag a most interesting suspect across Howard's path. The very audacity of this suspect will recommend her to Howard's attention. Her? Fade Rother asked. The Lady Jessica herself, the Baron said. Is it not sublime? Piter asked. Howard's mind will be so filled with this prospect it'll impair his function as a mentat. He may even try to kill her. Piper frowned, then, But I don't think he'll be able to carry it off. You don't want him to, eh? The Baron asked. Don't distract me, Piper said. While Howat's occupied with the Lady Jessica, we'll divert him further with uprisings in a few garrison towns and the like. These will be put down. The Duke must believe he's gaining a measure of security. Then, when the moment is ripe, we'll signal Yue and move in with our major force. Ah, go ahead, tell him all of it, the Baron said. We'll move in strengthened by two legions of Sardokar disguised in Harkonnen livery. Sardokar? Fedrotha breathed. His mind focused on the dread imperial troops, the killers without mercy, the soldier fanatics of the Padishah Emperor. You see how I trust you, Fade the Baron said. No hint of this must ever reach another great house, else the Lancerad might unite against the Imperial House and there'd be chaos. The main point, Piper said, is this. Since House Harkonnen is being used to do the Imperial dirty work, we've gained a true advantage. It's a dangerous advantage, to be sure, but if used cautiously, we'll bring House Harkonnen greater wealth than that of any other house in the Imperium. You have no idea how much wealth is involved, Fade, the Baron said. Not in your wildest imaginings. To begin, we'll have an irrevocable directorship in the Chome Company. Fade Rafa nodded. Wealth was the thing. Chome was the key to wealth. Each noble house, dipping from the company's coffers, whatever it could under the power of the directorships. Those Chom directorships, they were the real evidence of political power in the Imperium. Passing with the shifts of voting strength within the Landsrad as it balanced itself against the Emperor and his supporters. The Duke Leto, 
Piper said, may attempt to flee to the new Fremen scum along the desert's edge. Or he may try to send his family into that imagined security, but that path is blocked by one of His Majesty's agents, the planetary ecologist. You may remember him. Kynes. Fade remembers him, the Baron said. Get on with it. You do not drool very prettily, Baron, Piter said. Get on with it, I command you, the Baron roared. Piter shrugged. If matters go as planned, he said, House Harkonnen will have a sub-fief on Arrakis within a standard year. Your uncle will have dispensation of that fief. His own personal agent will rule on Arrakis. More profits, Fade Rafa said. Indeed, the Baron said, and he thought, it's only just. We're the ones who tamed Arrakis except for the few mongrel Fremen hiding in the skirts of the desert, and some tame smugglers bound to the planet almost as tightly as the native labor pool. And the great houses will know that the Baron has destroyed the Atreides, Piter said. They will know. They will know, the Baron breathed. Loveliest of all, Piter said, is that the Duke will know too. He knows now. He can already feel the trap. It's true the Duke knows, the Baron said, and his voice held a note of sadness. He could not help but know. More's the pity. The Baron moved out and away from the globe of Arrakis. As he emerged from the shadows, his figure took on dimension. Grossly and immensely fat. And with subtle bulges beneath folds of his dark robes to reveal that all this fat was sustained partly by portable suspensers harnessed to his flesh. He might weigh two hundred standard kilos in actuality, but his feet would carry no more than fifty of them. I am hungry, the Baron rumbled, and he rubbed his protruding lips with a beringed hand, stared down at Fade Rather through fat and folded eyes. Send for food, my darling. We will eat before we retire. to the world that we're now in. You know? You were just in another world. Now you're back in this one. Let's crack it, baby. How you doing? 
That listen he though. Oh, we have that litany that he did. Chris Allen says the spice must flow. That's right, 207k stucks five. Says it is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of sapphire with the thoughts quite speed. Lips quite stains. Stains become a warning. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Shell correctly points out that dunes equal sand waves. That's right. Yeah, there you go. There you go, go. There you go, though. Hey. Well, that there was book one. Well, I don't know how it's prepped up. Tape one. Tape one of the original Dune audiobook. I heard that guy, by the way, that guy read 1984. That guy's very good at reading books. I can't remember his name. What up, Owen Smith says, great listening on Twilight Walk. Matt Carter says, Dune Wave in my DNA. Owen Smith says, let's do Lord of the Rings Book Club. Yo, we just, uh, we just, hang on, chill, hold tight. We still got to decide whether we're going to do this one. Michael Tapia says, that was beautiful. Hey. Matt Carter says, Dune Rider is wavy. Yeah, baby. Starship Dune Raver, Wave Dune Rider, Dune Rider. There you go, Dune Rider. Dune Rider. What's the chat been up to? It's an interesting doing thing and not really looking at the chat. Because I was just very engrossed. It's very, very, it's a very engrossing thing. Because you're listening, because you don't know exactly what's happening next, and you've got to kind of intuit the right direction and vibe for musical accompaniment and stuff. It's a very interesting thing to do. Very interesting things to do. What's up, Matt Carter says, digging the new meaning threads. Yeah, we got a lot of new garments in the shop. Head on over to the shop, check out the new stuff. We've got the new quotes of meaning collection. We've got stuff that says things like, it's a beautiful day to be alive. And choose meaning. Very nice. We also have the great wave of meaning collection. Very, very wave. Very lush. Breakers XV says, man, I can believe I missed it. Well, it will be there on the rewind. It'll be there on the rewind. Uh, David Ward says, keep on with Dune Book Club. Um, we, I mean, we could. It's, 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 I, I must say I enjoy, uh, you know, doing it. I do enjoy doing it. Uh, but it's up to you guys. If you want more uh, Dune Book Club. If you want, I mean, but book club in general it's an idea I've been wanting to do for quite a while and it uh, you know so yeah so let me know if you want any more of that type thing Johnny C what is this HP thing at the lower right with our name oh yeah I forgot about 
That's the Yeet Seat, Johnny C. You're sat in the Yeet Seat. And uh, that's the best uh, viewpoint in uh, the, the ship, you know, and then other people can knock you out of the seat and claim the seat by doing things like super chatting and subscribing and things of that nature. Mainly those things. That's what that is. But that was there. Miss Superconductor says, let's do Jocko Book Club. Uh, what did I do this morning? I don't know if on the Meaning Wave morning show this morning, uh, I read Jocko's children's book. Well, I read a bit of it. I realized that it uh, is written in Bismarcky's voice. Like Jocko, Jocko Willink's children's book writing style for his like his rhyming one for the real little children, it's as if Bismarcky wrote it. Uh, so I read that this morning. LL Cool J says Foundation by Asimov, please. I love that. I listened to that on audiobook a few years ago, maybe about four or five years ago. Very epic. Johnny C says Looks like I need a health boost. Yeah, you, yeah, you're looking weak out there, baby. They coming for you. They coming for you, baby. John McGarvey says Book Cub, keep it flowing. Johnny C says I day K. I haven't done anything this stream. What do you normally do on stream? Fullkiller3644 says, that was great this morning. Yeah. Owen Smith says, 100% keep up the book club. I tune in regularly. David Ward says, one of the best sci-fi series ever written. YouTube Hero Alex says, the chat was doing a lot. Philosophical chats, chatting about the book, someone asking about the price of a generator. <laughs> it was cool. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> Owen Smith says, uh, I just walked seven miles to this. I really enjoyed it. Owen Smith says, yes, keep this up too. Uh, okay. Well, that's nice. Glad you liked it. Whoa. Deep in the human unconscious is a pervasive need for a logical universe that makes sense. Sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. But the real universe is always one step beyond logic. One step beyond logic. One step beyond logic. Yeah, yeah. There is in all things a pattern. Whoa. That is part of our universe. Hey. It has symmetry, elegance, and grace. Those qualities you find always in that which the true artist captures. The true artist captures. You can find it in the turning of the seasons. What? That which the true artist captures. In the way sand along a ridge what up Owen Smith in the branch clusters of the creosote bush creosote bush Ooh. or the pattern of its leaves Blah. pattern of its leaves oh boy we copy these patterns in our lives in our society yeah seeking the rhythms the dances the forms that comfort in all things a pattern a pattern that is part of our universe oh yeah it has symmetry elegance and grace those 
qualities you find always oh in that which the true artist catches that which the true artist catches you can find it in the turning of the season wow that which the true artist catches yet it is impossible to see peril in the finding of ultimate perfection ultimate perfection ultimate perfection peril in the finding it is clear that the ultimate pattern contains its own fixity in such perfection all things move towards death there is in all things a pattern that is part of our universe oh yeah it has symmetry elegance and grace grace those qualities you find always always in that which the true artist catches that which the true artist catches you can find it in the tone of the seasons that which the true artist catches yeah yeah the world is supported by four things the learning of the wise the justice of the great the prayers of the righteous and the valor of the brave but all of these things are as nothing without a ruler who knows the art of ruling make that the science of your tradition all life is in the service of life Yeah, that's right, baby. That was One Step Beyond Logic from Dune Wave. The Dune Wave EP from Akira the Dawn and Comic Book Girl 19, a.k.a. Danica XIX, uh, a world-renowned authority on all things Dune. And, uh, yeah, I got word earlier that she is prepping her, the rest of her vocals for Dune Wave 2. Uh, we actually did record one song, and uh, she's been... In- asking her patrons to uh, help her work out which bits to vocalize. So that's coming up, baby. Yes, we do. Uh, Xhammer13Thor says, we need some explosive meaning wave emojis for members. Oh, like what sort of thing do you mean? Uh, We have one emoji slot just opened up, I believe. I believe we have one emoji slot. So something could go in it. What might that be? What might that be? Uh, I got a shout out. Owen Smith says, I've been a supporter of yours for a long time and I really enjoyed this content. I'm glad I tuned in tonight. I'm glad you tuned in. Let me know if you want more book club. Let me know if you want more book club. You know, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of books that are epic and might sound cool with music on there. Uh... Yeah. Owen Smith says, "Dope, Dune Wave Two, just in time for spooky season." Uh, I don't know. We'll see how. I don't know how fast. I don't know how fast Lady D's gonna works, but um, because isn't it Halloween like tomorrow? Isn't it Halloween tomorrow? Thomas Cotillier says, "Definitely more book club." People talking about what emojis they want. Someone suggested a ban hammer. YouTube Hero Alex says people don't get banned enough to warrant a ban hammer emote lol. Hey. Oh, I should probably let you all know, by the way, those of you who um, 
update on the Alan Watts org 24-7 live stream. Uh, if you were here yesterday or the day before, I can't remember which day it was. What day was it? It was yesterday. Was it yesterday? And uh, I sent everybody, I sent you guys over to the Alan Watts stream at the behest of Mark Watts, Alan's son. And uh, apparently there were a bunch of like nihilists in the chat there who were deeply unimpressed by like joyful Maztex. Um, apparently the the chat was all all um, it's toxic and overused word. I think it's probably the right word. Apparently the the, t- the chat on the uh, Alan Watts org twenty four seven stream was was toxic. Well, it's not there anymore. I spoke with uh, Mark earlier, and it is gone. It was never meant to be on anyway, apparently. So there you go. That's probably, that's good. Uh, R.I.P. Nihilists. Foiled again. Foiled again, Nihilists. <laughs> but, you know, it might come back. I don't know if it'll come back. I did, I did uh, you know, I have explained how, what, uh, what a wonderful thing a really good community is, you know. But, you know, it's a reminder and a lesson for us to not take for granted what we have here at the MAZ. What we have here is this, look at this beautiful civilized company, uh, community. You know, we can do a book club. You know, we can play Dune audiobook and I can play music. And the chat isn't full of, like, assholes being annoying. The chat is full of lovely people being lovely. Epic people being epic. Uh, and that's an amazing thing. You know, people always say to me, they say, Kira the Don, I do not understand it. I went to your YouTube and the comments, it was just all really nice and positive and instructional and useful. And they were making me cry. People were telling these beautiful stories about their struggles and their this, that and the other. Normally I go on YouTube comments to Kira the Don and it's just like assholes being assholes. Like, yeah, well, you know. It's one of the things that, uh, you know, as above, so below, and all that type of business, and as below, so above. And um, we pride ourselves over here in the MAZ of creating a space that is ace. You know, and I'm very, very proud of this community. Very proud of this community by Joe. It's a beautiful, wonderful community uh, that I would happily, you know, introduce uh, to my proverbial mother. You know, I'd have it. Well, not proverbial. Real. I'd happily introduce you, Maz, to my mum. Say, hey, these. This is the lovely Maz. Look at these lovely people. Look how lovely they are. Very happy. The superconductor says the positivity here is so amazing. It really is. Xhammer thirteen Thor says really enjoying the music synth bass. I just thought we should have a specific explosive emojis for that meaning wave bass. Cheers, bass. It would be pretty good, huh? An emoji that was just bass. So you could drop it when when the bass went bass. So when a carrot drops that bass, you got an emoji that says bass. And that just remind me of the period in time, uh, about eight years ago, I think, when Nasty was saying bass a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm often quite suggestible, actually, if I'm around people. And I'll pick up their things, you know? And I picked up Nasty's bass. But then I went to America. And I was just saying bass all over America to everybody. And I got all the Americans saying bass as well. And everyone in San Francisco that I was going around was saying bass. It was bass this and bass that. It was a beautiful time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. Matt Carter said, this experiment has been hugely successful, Akira. Thanks, Hermie. 
hey, it seems that people like it. Maybe we'll do another one. Maybe we'll do part two. I mean, when does the movie come out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but back, yeah, on the uh, on the Alan Watts org thing, they see that they're like uh, they're t- they're going in on their YouTube channel and they're dropping loads of really cool, exclusive, real uh, shit. You know, not bad quality bootleg shit, the OG shit. You know, uh, they had it all nicely mastered and all that. Uh, Mark Watts has been going through the archives and like they're going to be releasing well they've already started releasing really cool shit over there uh, but they're very low in the YouTube algorithm right now uh, due to you know other people with uh, bootleg Alan Watts content uh, swamping theirs so if you could head over to alanwatts.org and give them a follow and leave them some comments on their videos and things of that nature uh, I'm sure they would appreciate that for people who like the Alan Watts content people who like that Alan Watts stuff and for people who like that Alan Watts stuff I'm uh, seven tracks deep into Watts Wave 20k it's going amazingly uh, the get in the zone refuse to leave experiment seems to just be picking up speed uh, quite ridiculously uh, you know so that's really cool that's very exciting uh, I'm excited for you to hear it so that uh, we're gonna get out of here um, I need to get get on with this record. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get out of here. I'd like to thank everyone who supported tonight. Um, once, one more time. Thank you, Examer 13 Thor, Miss Superconductor, and Luke, and Chris Olin, and 207K Stucks 5, and Brandon Schill, and Lance Cook, and Pizio Cat. Thank you very much, you beautiful, beautiful mass techs. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. on Twitch. And we'll be back here tomorrow night. Uh, I can't believe it's Thursday already. I don't know where the time is going. It's just absolutely incredible how, how much it's speeding up for me right now. Anyway, I don't know about you. My perception of time is insane right now. It's just... Uh, it's like a waterfall, you know? I feel like, Anyway, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, thank, anyway, thank you all once again. If you want to support the wave, uh, you know what to do. You can become a member of the channel. Get access to the emojis. Come and remember the Patreon, similar. Get your name on the next album. Level 4 members or above will have their name etched into the Meaning Wave Masterpieces album. Which is very epic, has very epic voices on it. I'm about to do a nice reveal on that. <laughs> um, yeah, go to Bandcamp, download the music, go to Spotify, follow all the playlists. And uh, go to MeaningWave.com and buy some MeaningWave merch. We've got a whole new range of merch over there, including including a special Maz t-shirt, MeaningWave Autonomous Zone, along with the Quotes of Meaning collection. Beautiful things like, it's a beautiful day to be alive, written on a t-shirt. And uh, the Great Wave of Meaning collection, which is very aesthetic and beautiful. We'll be back tomorrow with epic activities. Of some kind, it will be number 193, I believe, or was that today? 190, yeah, 193 tomorrow. 193, that's an auspicious number. What up, Zachary Brooks? Welcome to the channel. Upgraded membership, in fact, not welcome, an upgrade. Oh, yeah, and I forgot to say, for all you members, I dropped a new mix on the ch- on a for you guys today if you go check out the member pa- the member tab 
on uh, your YouTube membership, you'll have a mix, a brand new mix for you. Uh, a dope and epic funk mix is there waiting for you. If you're on the Patreon, it's there as well. If you're on the subscribe start, it's there as well. So check that out. Thank you for being here. Meaningwave Radio 2747 is waiting for you on the second channel if you require that sort of thing. Uh, otherwise, go forth, be epic, be mighty, and thank you all for being here, you beautiful, beautiful, beautiful community of beautiful humans. You. Three, two, one. Bye, bye, baby! <laughs>